Alrighty, we are here, we are recording, we are doing our thing in the pre-show, which is the show before the show. You're just going to leave me out hanging out the dry, huh? Okay. Um, Black Friday, have any great deals today? I had, I'm not shopping today. <laughs> I, uh, not really shopping either, but we got an email from Bluehost and like half off select services. And one of them was off half off the main privacy. So for six bucks a year mm. per domain, you know, don't have my email address out there anymore. I've been meaning to add it anyway. Just like, oh, I don't want to pay for all those domains. So getting it for half price was. All right. Cool. So yeah. Geek. Nerd. Geek nerd? Geek nerd. Uh, I, uh, last night I watched What Hot American Summer, the movie. Ah. So I could start watching the series, and I watched, uh, I think, the first two, maybe three episodes. What do you think? It's it's good. It I, you for, I forget how goofy parts of the movie are. <laughs> like when they're throwing the kids out of the van, or... Um, but, you know, so the, the, the series kind of carries that along. Yeah. When, um... Is it her name Abby? Yes. She has her period. She comes out all slutty. <laughs> the one that comes out as now she goes in as like a twelve-year-old and comes out as the you know oversexed what I twenty-four-year-old <laughs> right. playing a sixteen-year-old. <laughs> what what I like about um, the, the the Netflix show is that they had they had the opportunity to simply do the same jokes over and over again. They mm-hmm. didn't do that. They went entirely different directions. It's still the same, I mean, the same basic premise and the same attitude, but mm-hmm. completely different jokes, completely different uh, structure right. to it. So It's so weird because of the characters, Michael Showalter's put on so much weight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's so weird. I'm like, oh, that's the same guy? <laughs> and then you got to also see the, the, the kid, who unfortunately doesn't uh, feature that much in the, the, the the mean kid in Showalter's um, okay yeah. camp. I, I I thought he did a great performance. It doesn't really do, do much in the latter episodes. Oh, so, okay. I like what I like doing this stuff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How many years have passed since the movie? Uh, I want to say like eleven, but it could be more than that. Okay, so I guess that's a different radio station kid. No, it, it's or this, same. I mean, it's the same voice. Okay, it's 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 Sam Levine who's the. Oh uh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right. Yeah. Apparently, what happened in the original one is they um, they got a kid to do the voice, and he sucked. So they had Sam Levine come in and okay. ADR all of his voices. Okay. I didn't even realize that it was uh... well because you see the kid talking, mm-hmm. right? So you don't think, even though he sounds like a familiar right, voice. Yeah. I just thought, oh, he sounds like someone I know, not he was someone I knew. So that's interesting. We are drinking for the pre-show uh, Rebel Grapefruit IPA from Sam Adams. It is um, their sampling thing they sent us uh, about a month ago or so. Yeah, we mentioned it last week in the show, right? We were talking about how mm-hmm. it seems like they're trying to set their targets on popular IPAs around yes. the country. And uh, we figured this, you know, we've done plenty of Sam Adams on the main show lately, so we'll give them a little bump here to the pre-show. Oh, this is good beer. Mm-hmm. I mean, the grapefruit flavor is coming through. Um, I'd have to do ballast point versus a side-by-side to really tell the differences i would like to think that um the ballast point's more apparently hoppy i think than this but i but i really don't know i'd have to do them side by side yeah i i don't know because i mean 
Ballast points great for scoping didn't really hit me like how Habanero scoping yeah, did. Yeah. It, it was you know a different thing. I'll do. I, I thought grapefruit was fine, mm-hmm. but Habanero was like something special. Yes. So this is again, it's fine. Um, mm-hmm. It's good even, but grapefruit and IPAs work. Mm-hmm. Who would have thought? All right. I we never got to talk about it, but we really should. The Kyberman. Holographic Gaming Network. Oh my god. <laughs> Is it still just two donors? It's still just two donors. Oh my god. Oh. <laughs> so, you need, if you don't know what we're talking about, you need to pause right now. You need to go to Kickstarter mm-hmm. and search for this Holographic Gaming Network and watch the video. It's about 12 minutes, I think. Yeah. It's the drive. Technically, you don't have to watch it, you can just listen to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you don't have to watch it. Just listen to it. Uh, it does build and build, not intentionally, but it does build. So you need to listen to the well, whole thing. I mean, I almost think we might want to go over at least parts of it, just because the amazing thing is, is he starts talking about one thing and then. Do you want to do totally... a little like? A, yeah, you we want should a commentary on we it. Should okay, do a commentary on this thing because. All right. So, first of all, I, I found this because of the shitty Kickstarter's Reddit. Which is always a blast. Um, <laughs> I never knew such a thing. <laughs> I'm going to go read it right now. Uh, this is somebody who's asking for a hundred million dollars. Hundred million dollars. Um, let's let's read first what, what the what he wants. So about this project. Uh, oh, so, so the, the main idea is. The software needed to create a digital copy of the entire planet so that gamers can play any game as themselves in their hometown. And there's a little logo that he obviously wrote on, like, paper with a, with a ballpoint pen. <laughs> it's, a a pen. it's literally the back of a napkin yeah. logo. And it just says a K out of vectors. With... It just shows how interconnected everything is through the K. Right. Because all the Ks have arrows on them. All the letter, ends of the K. Oh, damn it. Just close the... Okay, so <clears throat> Does, but, he, this really re, a lot of what you're going to read is in the video, though, isn't it? I mean, it's going to be kind of redundant if you read it first and then play the video. Sort of, well, but there there are beauties, there are beautiful things inside the text. Well, maybe when you get, maybe we go let the video lead and then you can okay. inject the All text. Right. How All about right. that? That sounds good. Here we go. Hello, everyone. So first, we start with this guy who's like, uh, I know, classic Midwest bowl cut dude uh, who is sitting has, sitting in front of the camera. Um, He's sitting at his computer desk. He has a yeah. printer off to the side. He has a... We have an armoire with, uh, with, with, with some books in it in the back, and it's just a white wall. It is like... So, so much of this is... One or like, don't do your Kickstarter video right, yeah. like this. Like I, I was waiting for the joke to kick in because this is so. You know the the whole picture in the dictionary of how not to do this. Yeah. Okay. I am Mike Birmingham. <laughs> First of all, hello, everyone. <sighs> like he's like exhausted. Dude. Do I have to do this fucking thing? He's he's already calling himself the CEO. By the way, CEO of the Kybernon Corporation, a newly founded software company. Which doesn't exist. We have a project that we're very excited about, so we wanted to share it with the internet as soon as possible. He's reading uh, right off his laptop screen, thing, glancing up at the camera occasionally. Project, so I'll just be reading from 
the screen, but I promise it'll be worth it. I promise it'll be worth it. So keep that in mind for when you want to get your money out. Don't write checks your body can't cash. <laughs> Uh, first, a clarification. We are not at this point developing any actual video games, but rather a piece of software that other game developers can use to make their games more fun. Now, Keep that in mind. Right, right. But, you know, another part, you'll see much later on, if you would have stopped with the first half of that sentence, that could have been the end of the video. Yeah. We're not developing any software. But it's, And cut. Yeah. Uh, keep that in mind that he says he's not developing software or a set of game, tools. Game, not he's not developing a game, game yeah. just a set of, of tools. Because, well... <laughs> yes. Involves combining maps and other geographic data with demographic information about the population living in a particular area in order to create a digital copy of the entire planet, which we will call the grid. Okay, so he's talking about mapping the entire planet. Modeling. Modeling the entire entire planet. planet. uh, Including, like, demographic data and stuff like that, which is... Well, no, don't spoil stuff, man. No, so my question for this first part, before it gets too crazy, is to what resolution? Mm. Right? He wants you to have your house in there down to centimeter resolution. I mean, just like imagining what he's talking about. I imagine a world where, you know, you wouldn't see the crumbs on the table, but you would see practically everything that's a centimeter or larger. That would be an impressive thing. Well, it depends on, like, if it's on tables. If it's on the floor, there'd be less fidelity, right? right? You know, that kind of thing. But I was only just thinking, like, exteriors. I wasn't even... No, no, I don't want to jump ahead. I, yeah, uh, yeah. So. Developers can use the data from the grid to render any city in the world as a playable environment in one of their games. I mean, that doesn't sound like too horrible an idea right off the bat. Sort of uh, instantly having uh, the ability to sort of render environments that are realistic because you have mm-hmm. linear copies. And then you could maybe mix it up too. There's all types of things you could do with something like this. I'll... I'll Right off no. the bat, the idea itself, the broad no. idea is not like However, the vast, vast majority of the world has not been game tested. True. And it's not going to be very playable. Well, he's just focusing on right now, like right. he says, he's not taking, sure. talking about a game. He's just talking about building a, a grid that has the attributes right. that you could then make a game with. Another part of it is creating an app that players can use to provide real-world data about themselves to create an avatar that's just like them in every way. Okay, see, this is where it gets, like, a little bit absurd because the whole point of playing a game is not to be... You. You. Is... Don't jump ahead. No, let, it, let, it, let, it, let it come to you, okay? I just... I, I, just I know where that. you're going, but let it come to you. But, I mean, so, so you can play, like, in the city you know, but you can be a superhero, right? That's the fun of, of, of mm-hmm. playing games, not... I get to be myself. Okay. Now, what kind of games could you use that technology for? Uh, okay, so you're getting into what type of games you could use it for. Again, you're not developing the games. Okay, this is great, right? Because now, instead of for the next like six minutes, instead of him talking about his technology that he's going to build... He's going to talk about the kind of game he wants to play. Right. The most obvious one is a zombie apocalypse. <laughs> the most obvious one. Most obvious one. Of course, zombie apocalypse. Of course. That's exactly what I want to do with a 
with a you know the hundred million dollar hundred million dollar simulation of the model world of the is, Earth is model a zombie apocalypse. Zombie fiction is pretty popular these days to the point where a lot That's of people true. have probably given some thought to what they would do if the zombie apocalypse ever actually happened. How much thought have you given to what you would do if the zombie apocalypse ever actually happened? I've put a little thought into um, All right. civilization breaking down and realized how fucked I would be. Uh-huh. But I'm not going to become a prepper. Cause... But, I mean, you're not like, what would happen if zombies actually... <laughs> That's not like no, not so much the zombie yeah. angle, but the all the angle of no goods or services coming mm-hmm. to yeah. me. Yeah, that would. I've, I've considered that and realized it's hopeless. And mm. at least, at least, life as you know it, over. Well, once the software is fully developed, there will undoubtedly be a game allowing you to play out that scenario. Undoubtedly, in town with your friends and family. With your friends and family, you can play. A zombie apocalypse. So, with the tool that I'm going to make, that I want you to kickstart yeah. to me for $100 million, I'm going to make the framework so someone can make the game. They were undoubtedly big. Okay, that's enough. You can stop there and then talk about your technology, right? Mm-hmm. And if none of the existing video game companies wants to make that game, we will, but that's not part of this project. So, <sighs> we will. We'll make this we'll fucking We'll make game. this game if you have to, but that's not part of the project. Uh, so, the word holographic typically refers to a 3D visual rendering of an object, but for our purposes, we're going to expand that definition to include not only the outward appearance, but all of its physical properties and computer models to describe its behavior. That's... You're getting beyond $100 million. You're talking about not just physical properties of... Not not just the, the way things look, but the physical properties well, therein. What he's, of the what he's talking about is just the physics engine right and 3d modeling is what he's talking about yeah but i mean he's not talking about all the crazy shit yet it's just (laughs) if you're simulating a block of granite you need to know its mass and chemical composition the only models you need to simulate its behavior are newton's laws of motion if it's a complex man-made machine like an automobile you need to write a program to simulate all the moving parts See, we're already getting into dynamics of things and and dynamics of, of granite versus other types of bedrock, and it's like, uh, you're going a little bit too far in your resolution. If you're trying to simulate a I like the being, chemical composition part of it. Yeah. You know? So you can, you know, actually break apart that granite and use its components to create other things, right? Okay. That gets a little more complicated. A little. But we do know a lot about how the human body works and how people generally behave. So we can put together a template that can be modified based on all the things that make people differ from one another. But people in video games don't behave like the human body generally behaves. Well, this is this is the beauty of the Kybernet holographic uh, gaming network. But you're still missing that death is permanent in the game. We don't know that <laughs> for sure. the outward appearance of these objects would be up to the individual game developers who have their own standards for quality. I thought that was the whole point, was you're rendering things. Rendering the outward appearance would be up to... What are you doing then? Providing the model, apparently. <laughs> all right. What I'm going to do is create an online index of all the data and computer models necessary to create a digital copy of any real-world object in the grid. I say index instead of library because almost all of this data already exists. Much of it is in the public domain, but some of it is considered proprietary. 
The index will link to whoever currently holds the data and have transparent... Mutual- You've already lost me at this point. <laughs> I'm like, what are you... No, no he's connection. Oh, no, he's explaining that he doesn't have to store the entire world's worth of modeling mm-hmm. data because he's going to steal it from public domain. He's going to just link to it, call it whenever he wants it. Wait, so, and then when the public domain server goes down, you won't be able to get to your candlesticks and agreed upon protocols for how much data they share with the grid and how they will be compensated. This applies not just to companies, but to people as well. I understand that privacy is very important to people, so all personal data will be encrypted based on two-factor security, which means that in addition to a password, there's also a biometric component like fingerprints, facial recognition, that sort of thing. It's just stringing words together. Yes, at this point it's, it's like, like, I want blah, to encrypt blah, blah, blah. it. Yeah. You better use two-factor. But what he's missing is, okay, so my personal information is encrypted with two-factor. How's the game going to use it? Yeah. All of the software will be open source so that the public can examine the code and verify that there are no back doors in it. And the app will also have a simple kill switch that allows you to go on and off the grid whenever you want. Wait, wait, wait. <laughs> He's stringing together buzzwords. And... What? Of course you could go on and off the grid whenever you want. You, I mean... No, when you're jacked in, man, you can't, <laughs> can't get out. There's no fucking kill switch. You can't get out. You're jacked in. It's it's a it's a simulation. You can get on and off. You can turn your computer off. Not if you did the grid the wrong way. Mm. Just wait. Just wait. Now, what I'm describing is uh, pretty obviously outside the capabilities of modern gaming consoles and PCs. It's pretty much outside the capabilities of modern computing. In terms of what you're describing. But okay. So any game based in the grid... We need to make use of cloud computing. It's going to happen in the cloud. A company rents out its servers to the public, so you can use their hardware. Can on this? Instead of buying your own supercomputer, I probably would need a VR. Once it gets funded, I'll send my sales guys out. Services. So rather than spend billions of dollars on our own hardware, we'll just use what's already available. Many newer games already make use of this technology to transcend the limitations of the individual gamer's hardware. So it's likely that the next generation of game consoles will be designed with this in mind. That's true. So now that I've gone over all that, let me give examples of the kinds of games that would be possible. Okay, so the, <laughs> so he's he's done describing what his Kickstarter is for. That's four minutes and twenty two seconds. Now the rest of this fifteen minute video is all about the games that it, that he wants to be made. There's a little bit more at the end <laughs> about the uh, project. Well, that's at the end of the text that you're thinking of, I think. Oh, maybe. Yeah, Yeah, you're right. I think it's in the text. (laughs) The grid is done. Having the entire surface of the Earth available as a map means that there would no longer be predefined boundaries for gameplay. Well, there is. It's called the Earth. (laughs) You're thinking too big, man. You're thinking too big. The map would be too big to fit on your console's hard drive, so the games would be programmed to download maps from your current location ahead of time with a buffer of about 15 miles. As you move through the map, the game would automatically start downloading new maps based on... This is 15 miles of incredible amount of information, right? Not just like... Uh, broadly speaking, what the texture. I, I think he says, and I think he's going to talk about right now about how it gets higher fidelity information for your immediate area. It's on the speed and direction that you're moving, 
with greater levels of detail being filled in as you get closer. This means that you have to be connected to the internet to play in the grid and to cover the cost of running. I, I just like how he thought 15 miles was an important number. Yeah. For a Kickstarter campaign about a game he's not making. <laughs> a monthly fee. But that monthly fee will give you access to the grid for any game developed by any company. Yeah, so, so he, oh, I'll make sure we didn't miss his business model mm -hmm. there, right? So he wants to charge you, Greg Weiss, a monthly fee to use the grid. He um, And then game developers will write a game that uses the grid. Right. And you have to buy the game. And have a subscription to the grid, which you, which you need a kill switch to get out of, by the way. Right. <laughs> um, but it's open source. So but don't you open. think Steam... <laughs> or Bungie or whatnot are just going to take it and wouldn't they make their own grid so they could get the revenue? No, you don't understand. It's It's got two-factor authentication to it. Oh, okay. <laughs> the scenarios that will utilize the grid to the fullest extent are ones involving global emergencies, such as a zombie apocalypse, alien invasion, machine uprising, or World War Three. <laughs> what about, I don't know, uh... How about Sim Invasion City? Invasion of the Magic Pixies or... or Sim City. Uh, yeah, I mean... I mean, it. it could literally be Sim City. Why wouldn't... Yeah, why wouldn't people just want to play The Sims and, like, you know, play with the... You know, play with a dollhouse oh, family. Actually, actually, well, it's real people, right? Yeah. So you could live out all your fantasies in the grid. Hmm. When a game like that is released, we can have everyone on the grid play it together. Uh, not everyone will be online at the same time, and some will play through it faster than others. So what we'll do is He's already like... each human player's activity will become part of a script for a computer-controlled version of your avatar. When the more casual gamers play through the later parts of the scenario, they'll be accompanied by shadows of players who are farther ahead. The goal of these disaster scenarios will be for everyone to cooperate in order to save as many people as possible and neutralize the threat as soon as possible. He's already talking about the goal of these games that, that are he's not made make. based on this system that he hasn't... Of the game he doesn't want to make. Right. Think of it as a team-building exercise for the entire human race. <laughs> it goes on and on like this. It really isn't much more need, need to well, get no, into... Well, no, when he starts getting into the physical trait part... You're right, you're right. When a scenario has been successfully completed, there will be a report card telling everyone how we did it and broken down by country, state, and city. Now, how this would work in terms of game. This is this is this isn't actually uh, a game. This is a test. <laughs> this is this is. Do you qualify to be part of his? People getting ready for the zombie apocalypse. <laughs> In the zombie scenario, let's say there's an announcement on TV. There have been multiple reports all over the world of people suddenly turning into flesh-eating rage monsters. <laughs> let's say. People are advised to find shelter and stay indoors. Then, law enforcement and the National Guard work together to secure all of the power plants and communications infrastructure. So that early on... So law enforcement and the National Guard are actually playing this game instead of doing... <laughs> I guess instead of doing their you know, maybe, jobs, that well, they they just want to make sure that they're that everyone's prepared for the possibility of a zombie apocalypse. So they want to do all their stuff. Yeah, maybe I took that as those are that's AI, but these are smartphones. My guess is that they would also militarize the supply chains of Walmart, Costco, and other major chains. 
to ensure that all of the canned goods are that was made. that was a plot line taken from um ghost fleet that book i just read about oh. like world war three uh one of the reasons they were able to fight back was walmart and they basically so he stole that from from fiction already well i mean he's just, he's just coming up yeah, with fiction yeah. about a ridiculous scenario he's not mm-hmm. even bothering to talk about what he's going to do anymore right question then becomes, in this martial law situation, what would you be able to contribute? <laughs> so This is where it gets good. In order to get an answer to that, we've known to know a few things about you. First, how fast can you run? <laughs> See, already we're getting into not... Okay. We won't just take your word for it that you run faster than the average person, so if you want the in-game advantage of your current level of fitness... You will need to provide us with data from one of the many fitness apps currently available that keeps track of those things when you exercise. Another thing that we would want to know is how good are you with firearms? We'll partner with shooting rangers so that they can verify your level of marksmanship, and that becomes part of your profile. Here's his will. I mean, like, he's... So he's going to not only capture a map of the world. Right now, yeah, it's just him. It's not like he's, there's not actually a company. He's a wheel, wheel. There's, it's just him. He's going to map the entire world, model the entire world, get the chemical and physical, uh, physics engine, physics engine to model everything in the entire world. And then he's going to take the people and at first he said he was just going to have like a list that does things by, you know, you know, roughly, programs him as ai and now he's talking about if you want to be in the game you have to then get go to a doctor have a physical taken have that stuff in there so you and your ability with firearms is going to be tested what yeah this is work is good medical training driving ability prior experience in the military or law enforcement being fluent in another language martial arts experience, all of that can be included too. The way that would work in the game is if you have a digital record of all of those skills, when your county sheriff declares an emergency and announces that they're forming a posse to go kill zombies or rescue civilians, you can just press a button in the app and the sheriff can deputize you for the duration of the emergency and even use the app to send you instructions for what they want you to do. One side benefit of this is that here in the real world, if we ever have something happen like Red Dawn, where the community is actually threatened with some sort of invasion, the app would provide an easy way for people to volunteer to help. So now it's a public service. Yeah. As far as injuries, a lot of modern games have this system where as long as the injury isn't fatal, you can just walk it off. I personally find that stupid, because if you get shot or stabbed in real life, there's a hole in your body with blood coming out of it. And at some point, you are going to have to stop and address that. This is a game. This is not real life. That's the whole point, is that this is not real life. Mm-hmm. You want to make an exact copy of real life? And if it's serious enough, you'll actually be incapacitated until someone comes to help you. So, And you can't get out of the grid. Well, good thing you have a kill switch. Ability, many players will need to be smarter and more careful about how they play the game in order to avoid being injured in the first place. Uh, one thing I do want to mention regarding the physical fitness element, I know there are people out there who have disabilities either due to injury or illness, a lot of veterans who've been injured can't move around very well, and there's no reason why they should be left out of all the fun. 
So <laughs> Sounds like a lot of fun. In the game, we can bend the rules a little bit and hook you up with an experimental powered exoskeleton, <laughs> which, as you progress through the game... You're you already can... talking about how you have to, like, your... your uh, you have to be tested on your gun level. It depends on, on your level with medical stuff, but eh, we'll bend the rules and give you an exoskeleton. Well, he doesn't want to. <laughs> he has to. He doesn't want to seem. Uh, why can't you bend the rules to and give disabled me, people? Why can't you bend the rules and give me awesome cybernetic ability to shoot things? Because you're not disabled. Created to give you the strength and agility of Captain America. Captain America. And that brings us to your inventory. <laughs> because the point of the disaster scenarios is to find out how prepared we are for real emergencies. So again, so now it's, it's not about playing a game. Not really. It's just about finding out how prepared we are for a real zombie apocalypse or Red Dawn. That's the point of all the zombie games. Yeah. Your avatar will only have access to things that you currently own. But we're still going to let people have futuristic exoskeletons if they're disabled. So. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My guess is that if you can afford a top-of-the-line gaming platform, you probably have a smartphone. And assuming that the cell networks stay functional, emergency responders can send out information to the public warning them to stay away from certain places or directing people to safety. And, depending on your preference for intelligent personal... So, 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 wait, what? So, some, some people just play the game just to be ushered to safety elsewhere. That's their whole... <laughs> That's all they're going to do well, in the game is... If it's going to be that realistic... It just be directed to some place where they can be holed up. What if he's like, and death is permanent, you can't play it once you die? So you can have that information read to you in the voice of Siri, Google, or Cortana. Oh, oh thanks. Wow. No doubt many of you have had Cortana's voice walk you through other first-person shooters, so that part of the game should be familiar. As far as the heads-up display in the game, we can pretend that Google has just given out a few million free pairs of Google Glasses as some sort of marketing strategy. And everything on your HUD can be explained as an app running on the glasses. You can use it to keep track of your inventory, including ammunition. And if your friends and teammates have smartphones too, you can use the GPS to have the glasses keep track of them if you get separated. Okay, so if your friends have GPS too, but they already have the glasses, (laughs) but they don't have GPS because they don't have a smartphone, we're not going to give you a smartphone. We're gonna give you the free Google Glass. It's it's like this mishmash of ridiculous nonsense. Mm-hmm. Mm. And you can even pretend that the new model of Google Glasses has a tiny rear-facing camera, giving <laughs> you a little picture-in-picture picture showing what's behind. Wow, it. we could pretend so much. Uh, since virtual reality goggles are going to be available for gaming consoles very soon, you could potentially have multiple people playing in the same room without the TV being on. And if you incorporate headphones, then you can actually replicate the anxiety of being separated from your best friend and unable to find them, even though they're really sitting on the couch next to you. It's a good thing you have a kill switch. If you want to use your car in the game, you can take it to one of the repair shops that use the app and have them inspect it, determine how likely it is to break down under certain (laughs) conditions, take down the VIN number, and then use the app to print you a code that you can redeem online for a digital copy of your car. Again, if if you have a smartphone, you'll be able to hook up to the grid. Everybody has a, a Google Glass thing. That's the pretend thing that we're doing. Uh, you, you have to have your um, physical fitness and stuff tracked down because they're not going to make it easy for you. But if you're disabled, we're going to make it easy for you and give you Captain America strength and agility. 
But you have to earn power up, so it's not going to be easy. He didn't say you have to earn power. No, he did say it's going to. It advances the, the experimental. Some of you may drive cars that would not be particularly useful in this scenario, but those of you who drive big trucks can use your vehicles to clear the streets of zombies. You're going to have Captain America people running around. And. But we have to care about what your personal physical fitness is and what your personal mm-hmm. aiming capability yeah, is. Yeah. Now, let's talk about guns. <laughs> yes, if let's. If you volunteer to be a sheriff's deputy, no doubt the sheriff could provide you with a gun, but if you want to use the guns you have, you can take it to a gun store or shooting range, have them inspect it, noting what condition it's in, has it been modified, like say you added a laser scope, that sort of thing. We would also need to take down the serial number, only because we don't want people borrowing guns from their friends and making multiple copies of them. That wouldn't really be fair. <laughs> no. No. I mean, giving people the ability to level up and get Captain America agility from uh, exoskeletons, that that makes sense. That would be fair. But, but they're disabled, Greg. But letting people... Uh, and they're heroes. Letting people use other people's guns, that wouldn't be fair. There's no reason why you need to give them your name, because all they're going to do is print the code on paper and give it to you to take home and do whatever you want with it. So if anyone is worried that we're trying to secretly create some sort of global gun registry, I just want to reiterate that the software for making digital copies of guns and encrypting your profile will, like everything else, be open source. So hopefully there will be enough transparency that you feel comfortable doing this. And if you don't feel comfortable, then just don't put your guns in the game. It's totally voluntary. <laughs> totally Those voluntary. Those who more guns than they could realistically carry during an emergency could, using a combination of Tails, the Tor Network, and Bitcoins, create an anonymous online marketplace for trading and even renting digital copies of guns. Other weapons, like crossbows and large bladed weapons, can be redeemed in person by anyone that Why sells them. Tor and Bitcoin? They just need to register with us and verify that just like you said, buzzwords. who has expertise in that kind of weaponry. After you successfully complete the scenario, we will have all the data we need for the report card, so at that point you have the option to play through the scenario again with vehicles and weapons that you don't currently own, which adds to replay value. So, the first time is for... Is for keepsies. The second time, then then you can jack up the <laughs> the fun potential. As far as a time frame for all of this, assuming we made our fun oh, this is beautiful. So he just described you the whole ridiculous nonsense in this game. Now here's the time frame. Remember, he's asking for a hundred million dollars. Hundred million dollars. So far, he has two donations worth seven dollars. <laughs> it's been a month. Yeah. Using goal by the end of the year, we'll be able to file we'll be able to hire a few dozen skilled programmers to put together the index and data sharing protocols, along with the app that allows people to create an avatar and add things to it, as well as a place to vote on which existing games you would most like to see incorporate this technology. We can hire people to do research and data entry to actually put things into the index, and so we're hoping that those things will be available by next spring. Hundred million dollars. Hundred million dollars for nine months. Three months. Three months. Oh, three months. Three months to model the whole world. Uh, once that's done, it's just a matter of rendering the maps to create the grid for developers to adapt their games. Into. Just a matter of rendering the maps. Uh, for example, my favorite zombie game is Left for Dead, which is made by Valve, who you may know as the makers of Half Life and Portal. If the index is up by spring, at that point we could start working with Valve and other developers to render maps that are, that are compatible with the games they've already made. 
so they would be able to port it into the grid, and there's a pretty good chance that the zombie game could be ready to play Halloween 2016. Ten months. Ten months from, from, from January when this is supposed to start. Be ready to play his, his game he's been talking about. That means if you want to participate in this hyper-realistic zombie apocalypse drill, you may want to start getting ready. Hyper-realistic, aside from the Google Glass thing and the uh, Captain America stuff. Yeah. No. Sort of ex- you, you missed what he was saying. You said you, start, yeah. you should start exercising now. And there's a pretty good chance that the zombie game could be ready to play yeah, in 2016. That means if you want to participate in this hyper-realistic zombie apocalypse drill, you may want to start getting ready now. Wink. As yeah. far as your 2015 Christmas list goes, I recommend getting some sort of electronic fitness tracking device that you can link to your phone if you don't have one already. Gym memberships so you can get in peak physical condition. Gift certificates for self-defense or martial arts classes so you can level up in hand-to-hand combat. <laughs> Those who don't have much experience with firearms should look into firearms. So you can level up in hand-to-hand combat physically in real life. Yes. Well, it's called getting belts. Safety and marksmanship classes. Uh, law enforcement offers those in some areas. Now, I realize the fundraising goal of $100 million may seem overly optimistic, <laughs> considering that the most successful Kickstarter campaign of all time only raised about a fifth of that. But let me put this in perspective. Okay. If everyone who owns a current generation game console pledges an average of $3, we will meet our goal with money to spare. So if you'd like to see this well, that's never going to happen. future games, pledge what you can and forward the link to any other gamers you know. So that's it. Thanks for watching, everybody. There you go. <laughs> Wait, he actually had someone running the camera. Yeah. He cued them. Because he cued them to hey, turn it off. Turn, turn it off. off. And then he didn't just bother to cut that out of his uh his edition. But yeah, so the the, the there's a lot there's other stuff in here. Uh, that, that that's very funny, but the best part is probably the end. The risks and challenges. There is a small but non-zero chance that the software will accidentally become self-aware and attempt to exterminate humanity. <laughs> oh boy! So when I read this, I'm like, maybe he's a really good troll. Well. But then I saw his LinkedIn profile. Yes. <laughs> and then I'm like, no, he's not a really good troll. He's just somebody with a ridiculous, overinflated sense of uh, sense of themselves. Uh, yeah, that's... <laughs> <laughs> Remarkable. Remarkable. So? Well, we wasted 40 minutes doing that. <laughs> Hopefully they enjoyed it. I thought it was fun. Uh, Here's something interesting. Um, So a lot of the stuff about addiction comes from uh, animal studies, particularly. uh, Yeah, there's, there's. We've all seen, or we probably have been exposed to in some way or other, the idea of the the rat that um, will keep hitting its bar for cocaine or heroin or stuff, as opposed to eating food. Right, Mm -hmm. they're showing you how horrible addiction is. There is a a problem with that study, with the, with studies of those nature, which it isn't immediately obvious, but when you, if you think about putting humans in that place, it starts to become a little bit more apparent. Because what are you doing? You're putting rats into a 
box they are stuck in with buttons that allow them to get food, water, or a drug. And that's it. Mm-hmm. Now, what would happen if you stuck humans in two cages like that? Right. They would probably kill themselves because they require social interaction. That's part of what humans require. So there's this rat park experiment that was done. Uh, and I think it was done other it, more than one time, obviously, because we want to see repeatability of this. Mm-hmm. But the idea is that they, they he put the, the scientists who set this up, put the rats in like in this situation where there would be a lot of social interaction. And with that, the horrible parts of addiction went away. In fact, he would put rats in who were already addicted mm-hmm. and they wouldn't go for the for the drug. Okay. They would avoid it. Because once they're in a social situation, that's fine. They were just using the drug as a way to... It just goes to show that, you know, things can be more complex, you know, yeah. and the experiment might not be a good experiment because it's not taking into account some very important aspects of uh, of what should be tested, you mm-hmm. know, when you're talking about um, how a living organism behaves. Well, when you put it into a white box with three buttons, it's going to behave like it would yep. naturally. So, yeah, I, I found that very interesting. And so it's something you take a look at, the Rat Park. So what do you think about um, these uh, single-day fantasy sports, FanDuel? And uh, is it game of skill or game of chance? It's not a game of skill. It's absolutely gambling, as far as I'm concerned. Um, because, I mean, you have no influence over these events. You're picking things based on how you think things will occur. What, but the skill comes in with knowing it, it's so I don't do this stuff right but my point of view is more you know I see it in the same realm as like poker, poker and okay. stock, and stock trading because if you know if you have the skill you can beat the house or beat the average more often than not law of, law of large numbers being what it is if you have the skill then you should be able to, over time, beat the house. Most people who are playing these things don't have the skill. Right. Well, that's the question. That's kind of where I want this conversation to go. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, uh, po- uh, DraftKings, right? They're like, million-dollar winner yeah. every week type thing. Mm-hmm. Come play. One, yeah. Come play. Be your million-dollar winner. And, you know, the average Joe who plays this, it is like playing the lottery or a slot machine it is, you know, or, or roulette you know it's absolutely no difference as far as I'm, i mean no no but, recognizable but, but it's difference. but it's interesting because of you know the skill that a person may have right mm-hmm. um take the same person and put them in a stock market they're gonna not beat the house they're not gonna you know so but you know that's considered not gambling Poker is considered gambling, but it probably should not be. Well, I mean, for the, for the same reason. The, the thing is, like, I, I feel that it's all gambling, even whether it's skill or not. Mm-hmm. I'm just not against necessarily. I'm not against gambling, and I, I understand it's gambling. I, I think that gambling should be uh, discouraged if it uh, if it becomes a problem. But I, I don't have necessarily have a problem with with gambling as a, you know, something somebody does for fun. Mm-hmm. So. So, you know, so I'm I'm not like against the idea, but I do feel that they I, I I feel that it's gambling, right? 
Yeah, it's uh The weird thing is that like the the there are the major sporting companies and networks have relationships with these companies. So it's not as simple as the poker stuff. Like ESPN has some or, or Time Warner has, has something in FanDuel or or, or one or one of them in Major League okay. Baseball has something with, with DraftKings and okay. and I figured it was just sponsorships and stuff. But, now there's the actual yeah. relationship. Like they own like a percentage yeah. of the company. So I mean it's because everything's so interrelated now. So I've never really looked exactly at what the gameplay is like. I guess you just kind of draft for a weekend or something, right? It's for football, right? It'd be a weekend draft your team. Probably a salary cap type draft, right? Where you get the best team you can for something under the salary cap. I assume, yeah. And uh, but I assume that for the you know for the major big awards, they probably do have like one one time a week when you can do it for free. But for the most, or one time of, of the year you can do it for free. But for the most of them, you have to pay some money, and that's right. where all the money comes from. Yeah, yeah, it's interesting. Um, yeah, so I think you know. What I, the conversation I wanted to have, the one I thought was fascinating, is you know, and you're defining gambling a little bit differently. But you know, if you talk about chance versus skill, right? You know, it depends on your skill level because yeah, I mean, you know, there's people that know that have good algorithms that know football well enough that they can regularly beat the house. They can make money playing these games, and then there's the guys that think they can make money playing these games. It's like um, have you ever played online poker, you know, Texas Hold'em, mm-hmm. and you play the free money rooms, and it's a completely different game. A long time ago, before it became illegal, I put like 50 bucks into Poker Stars. And even when you go to the one penny, two penny rooms, the competition is completely different. Uh-huh. In the one penny, two penny rooms, you'll get your ass kicked when you are you do pretty well in the play money rooms. Um, it's really interesting how much harder it is. Well, it's, it's something like... Um... Those gaming competitions are similar, right? When you're doing um, StarCraft or something like that, right. you're playing that, and there, there's skill levels where somebody who is at a high skill level will destroy you. But the same thing goes for chess, right? I mean, yeah. um, but but there aren't there aren't a lot of services that are attempting to make a huge amount of money off of people playing StarCraft or playing chess, right? I mean, right. They'll, they'll bring people in and say, hey, we can, you know, you know, for the most part, play games free, and then we'll have a, a tournament every once in a while. Mm-hmm. Sure, but it's not going to be like well, you have to pay to get into every little game you play into. I mean, I don't know how these things work, but right, it it does it. It's not a similar situation. They're they're clearly out to to make money off of people who are bad at this. Well, it's a pyramid, right? You got to have it's a large, pyramid. Scheme. You have to have yeah. large base to support the the guys that are turning profit. A lot like so, Bitcoin, it's a pyramid scheme. What's the pyramid scheme in Bitcoin? There's already a huge uh, amount of oh. Bitcoin is already owned by other people, right, and right, that's where right. that's where all the money is going to. Right. Okay. Okay. All right. What else do we have? We we started on Slack. Haven't uh, haven't fallen in love with it yet but we'll see i like having a show channel um however i pasted a bunch of stories in there and they're kind of spread out they're kind of hard to pick and choose yeah. so that didn't work out so well um that thing you're talking about the 
uh, exoplanet with the alien megastructure oh, around Oh, right, it, yes. NASA's come back and said, no, nah, it's probably comets. It's almost certainly comets. Yeah. Shocker. <laughs> um, yeah, the, the, the crazy thing that people thought it was, probably not right. This, the more simple answer yeah. prevails again. Well, these beers been sitting out for a while. You want to get onto the beer? Uh, I guess so. Pull Let's one more thing um, from your list, real quick. Um, there is. Oh, craft brewers could be hit hard by new Obamacare rule. Oh, well, we already talked about that. That's the menu labeling stuff. Oh, okay. But I sent it to you in the general channel, just because it was Fox News. And, uh, yeah, Obama's going to ruin your craft beer. Mm. <laughs> I had a, a conversation with, with some people at Thanksgiving, and it, it, it turned awful because um, the, the the Trump phenomenon is reaching into people's things, and they feel comfortable completely lying without... without uh, Without any fear of reprisal, or, or or when people challenge them on it, to simply say, "Well, you're wrong," or, "Or mm-hmm. no, I'm right." Uh, somebody was saying that the Obama phone thing came up, and I was like, "Well, that it's absurd." And he said, "No, there's there's a store near me where you can just go and pick up your Obama phone." Obama, I don't even know what this Obama phone thing is. People are supposed to. There's things about, you know, it's this big bright wing boogeyman that that. Uh, People are getting free phones because of Obama. Obama set up something so people can get free phones. Okay. I said, take a picture of this. Get a video of this. Show me it happening. He said, yeah, people can go right in and pick up their phone. There's a whole display. And, you know, it's like, no, no, there isn't. You can't tell me there is without any evidence. Just show me this. And then he said, and then it turns into, hey, they, they, they go in, they fill out a piece of paper, and they get a phone. I was like, what? What are you talking about? This this is nonsense. What paper are they filling out? What is it? No, it's just they go in there, they fill a piece of paper, get a phone, it's free. And so it's like people just feel like they can just lie. They can just Well, there's out. a website, Obamaphone.com. Right. And it's helping people Americans with free lifeline cell phones. Twenty million financially strapped million million Americans now have a free cell phone. I've never heard of Bomb Phone do this now. I don't know if this website's true or bullshit. I have no idea. Was it Obamaphone.com? It, <laughs> yeah, well, I searched for Obamaphone on Google, and that's what came back. How to get an Obamaphone. It's easy to get an Obamaphone and service. Government programs such as food stamps and Medicaid qualify you for eligibility. So does meeting low-income requirements. How to get a phone for yourself. The FCC has approved a number of companies, national and regional companies, to offer them to needy Americans. The program is now available in 49 states, District of Columbia, and Puerto Rico. Considering the rapid growth, how do I get Oh, one? this is just an extension. This is an extension of the Lifeline program, which came up in, in the Reagan administration, which the idea is you give people the ability to have uh, a basic connection so they can get mm-hmm. emergency services. Okay. Yeah, we don't want people to have that. No. No. Uh, boy. Obama phone. Mm-hmm. And it's not free. It's nine ninety five a month. 
Okay. I don't know anything about it, so I really can't uh, comment. And then this person then said something along the lines of, um, uh, we got into it about Trump. <laughs> he, I, he says what everyone's thinking, right? Is that kind of the gist of it? I, I said, um, uh, Trump is literally, he's, he's, he, his demagoguery is literally fascist. Which it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and... Um, so I said, uh, you know, I, this is, we're looking at, when I grew up, there was a whole thing is, uh, especially since I was Jewish and I grew up, there's a whole big thing that people kept saying, and I thought they meant it. It was never again. Okay. I thought they meant it. Clearly they didn't because the same people who were saying that are now get rid of all the Mexicans and round them up in camps and stuff like that. Like literally that's what they're saying. So I'm like. This is Hitler too. Trump is Hitler too. And so they said, yeah, but <laughs> literally literally said to me, yeah, but if your choice is between that or Hillary. And I was like, yeah, Hillary against Hitler too. Hillary. <laughs> um, but it devolved into somebody, I eventually walked away when he said, somebody said, well, you know, well, it, Poor people are stupid, and rich people are smart. I was like, but that's not—it's not the poor people are stupid. No, 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 it's true. Poor people are stupid. And I was like, all right, I'm done talking. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. That was like when I was in Cooperstown. I had that talk, right? You know, it was basically Trump saying all the things that uh-huh. people are too scared to say. At a certain point, you sort of realize, all right, this is. Racist motherfucker. This is just something that that uh, I can't counter because it's it's too ingrained. Uh, I don't know how to deal with it, and so I'm just I'm not going to I'm not going to make myself part of that conversation. I kind of just wrap myself up and make myself angry. He's going to get the nomination, isn't he? Probably. I mean, wouldn't have I wouldn't have imagined it no. six months ago, but it. It, it unless something radical changes, uh, it it looks that way. I mean, it, lots of things can happen. Do you think the RNC would just say like no? Yes, I think they might. I think that's probably what's going to happen. I think they maybe rinse Priebus and be like, "Fuck you, yeah, <laughs> fuck you, you yeah. fucking." And then fuck. he's going to run as a as an independent. Yeah, and uh, that probably keep him from getting elected. Well. I, I don't think he'd get elected, you know, if he ran, period. Oh, no, but it, I don't want to live in a world where I see how close that is. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> just whenever you think of Trump, just just think Hitler, too. It's, um, that's his, that's his it, it sounds It sounds inflammatory when you say it, but... I wouldn't have said it until, until the rhetoric yeah. approached that level. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's um, it's crazy shit. Um, all right, let's drink some beer. All right, please, let's drink some beer. <laughs>